it's hard to point to like, oh, this is a iconic, you know, historical generative art reference that that's created mm -hmm. by some individual. But you know, often you have these algorithms that have existed before for other purposes, yeah. and then you can repurpose them. This is episode 10 of the KU podcast with me, Michael Ty, and my co-host, Liz Somerville. On every episode, we invite a guest to talk with us in depth about a single design topic. This week, we're talking programming and generative arts with Jan Legal. Jan is a programmer, software developer, and generative art artist. design has evolved from using our hands to creating physical tools to creating digital tools all the way up to the present day where we are creating tools to control other tools digital or physical. Our guest today is Jan Legall and his work is a perfect example of this new wave of ideation and creation. Jan welcome to the podcast. Thank you it's great to be here. What might be hard for people to grasp is exactly what generative art is. So, Jan, how would you explain what generative art is to a mix of, say, if you could explain it one way to a child, one way to an adult, and then one way to you know, a fellow programmer and software developer? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know that I'm an expert either, but um, in the simplest terms, I'm not creating the art directly, but I'm, I'm writing the program or the algorithm, which is then going to generate mm. the art. So I would say like that might be the the simplest way to think about it. It's using some sort of computation or algorithmic or procedural device to generate the artwork rather than doing it manually by hand. Um, I think it's probably a lot more nuanced. It's probably a spectrum where you may have certain parts of the piece is, is done by a computer and maybe there's a mixture of, of different stages maybe there's a post-processing step which is algorithmic but the input to that to that is a you know something made by hand yeah it's like liz says in the intro it's creating the tools to control other tools so yeah. everything stems back to you or the person behind the coding and the programming and the software and then the software steps in at some point and does its in, in the most simplest way, totally thing. Exactly. Um, I was just going to ask, so with all of that in mind, like what kind of person do you need to be? Like, would you consider yourself more mathematical or would, you know, creative, imaginative? What kind of person, I guess, do you have to be to be able to do this? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I do think you have to be um, willing to to put in a lot of time to to hone your tools, to work with the algorithms and to test all the inputs and outputs. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely you have to have that that desire to create, 
that that creative expression and then on the side i think you also need that um that technical you know technical skills mm -hmm. or at least the patience to learn the technical skills for it i think that that power that you have that me and liz don't have as we cry to ourselves of understanding code the extra language if you have the vision um and you can see the possibilities it's the you can really pull it out of thin air in a way versus physical you could imagine something physical which is maybe harder to attain than if you imagine the digital version of it yeah you know uh, i think one area where generative art really shines is um render like doing something that's very complex like if you look at a, a piece of art you know whether it's a painting or installation and it has like so many little strokes or pieces to it and you ask yourself like oh that must have taken forever to make that mm -hmm. artwork um with a computer or an algorithm you just write the algorithm and let it run and then it you know it does all of that work for you and i think that's a really cool area where you know you can see the power of generative art um another example is like uh, you want to make a like a, a hand-drawn kind of sketch that that uses lines and strokes of a pen um you can just feed an algorithm into a pen plotter and then it will render all of that detail for you um and you don't have to lift a finger other than to type the code i guess but mm. it's i think that's kind of my favorite part of generative art it's just like having you know you write the algorithm and then you you unleash it we need an asimov's law of generative art algorithms but once you release it you can't get it back yeah and that's that. actually really relevant to what's happening now in the nft world so um you know we might talk about this later but uh one of the one of the really big things that's come out of nfts is these long-form generative art projects mm -hmm. so things like artblocks.io on the ethereum chain basically how it works is you you create a, a project you, you upload your algorithm and then um you can you can mint some some number some arbitrary number of of pieces that's based on a random code once you publish it it's that's it it can't be changed it's on the chain and then it, you receive a a seed and that is like a random input from which your algorithm then generates a unique artwork from that random input. Wow. And so, so easy. So easy. <laughs> well, My it, it, what's uh, what's interesting about that, right, is because you know beforehand you could, you know, if I'm just creating artwork, I could curate it. I could say, oh, this this output didn't didn't look good, or this output looks great. I'll choose this for my gallery, but when you upload your algorithm you now have to live with okay it might produce some outputs that are not I so don't pleasing. Like. Yeah, yeah exactly but then can you just go back and edit the algorithm can it work like that you could but once you've i guess once you've published it or released it it's mm. it's it's too late at that point yeah. a bit like uh yeah it's first and second and third editions of a book is you can right. make the revisions for that right. first editions out there. It's already out. Yeah. yeah. What I'm still confused at, how do you choose the colors of how it's going to turn out? How do yeah. you it's, detailed? 
that's the hardest problem i think is um you know and i have some friends in the generative art world who they uh they always do black and white for that reason you know they, it's uh -huh. it's a hard choice and i think with you know for example if you always make something black and white then you're you eliminate that choice and you also are now focusing more on form and shadow and light um i know some people like if they're on instagram they have this gallery and then they try to curate every color choice so that it all works well together mm -hmm. but uh i've i've abandoned that <laughs> but it's still a very niche medium for visual art and creation and design and and the example I, I was thinking of earlier is you don't see many pieces of general art in pop culture like you would sculpture and right. watercolors and motion graphics, for example. Right. So that lack of reference for you do, you, do you find it liberating or is that a challenge that you don't have, you know, the, you know, you, you're not able to stand on the shoulders of giants as it were. It's, it's hard. Um, I think that, there are there are some references which take other forms that are unconventional. Um, mm. So one example is um, one of my favorite algorithms is like a recursive subdivision algorithm, right? And so this is something that you know you you encounter recursion a lot in coding, and uh, you know it's it's this mathematical concept where you have this process and then you repeat it on on the smaller parts until you hit some some like limit it's like that case where you have a piece of paper and how many times can you fold it before you can't fold it exactly and so this algorithm is used all over the place in computing but you can make art out of it too you can you know you can you can chop up a a grid or a plane recursively and then you can extrude those shapes and then you form you know some nice some nice structures, some blocks. You can make them move. You can animate it. Um, you know, and, and it's hard to it's hard to point to like, oh, this is a iconic, you know, historical generative art reference that that's created mm -hmm. by some individual. But you know, often you have these algorithms that have existed before for other purposes, yeah. and then you can repurpose them. That's really interesting because I didn't. I hadn't thought about it like that, as, as you can, in generative art, refer not just to art and generative art, but you can refer to code right? and code from science and from gaming and from the right. internet, let's just call it, and making web pages, for example. Exactly. Um, you have this, you know, GitHub, and in, nobody would use Reddit for code, I don't think, unless they wanted the virus, but forums <laughs> uh, for code. I never thought about that. That's just really interesting. So for your process, what is your process? So from ideation to completion, how, how do you do things? How do you do what you do? Yeah, it's it's hard to explain how, but I get these ideas in my head. You know, often I, I could be inspired by other artists or other things I've seen from science or math or nature. You know, I might I might get an idea or an image or often what I'll do is like, OK, I've done this algorithm and then this algorithm and I'll like, what if I combine them? You know, that'll be mm. that's another way I can sometimes get inspiration. Um, so but I usually get an idea and then, um, yeah, I start to uh, 
you know, I, I think about how would I implement that, you know, uh, these days I'm doing a lot of stuff in Houdini um, mm -hmm. and then also Blender. So those are, those are the tools I'm using a lot recently. Um, and Blender is a really amazing. It's, it's completely free and it's, it's growing mm -hmm. all the time. It's, it's amazing to see all the new features it's, it's, uh, it's getting. And Houdini is, Houdini's been around. It's one of the most powerful softwares I've ever seen for just it lets you, it's great for getting out of your way when it comes to writing code, but then getting in your way for just being so difficult and having like, it, there's so many things you can do in Houdini and then it becomes difficult because you don't know how to navigate it. But it's always, uh, you know, it's different from my process in Houdini is different than what my process might be in uh, processing or open R&DR. And, um, but I think at the end of the day, it kind of comes down to how to get that image in my head, you know, into code. And we touched on it at the top. Do you find people asking you these questions about your process, the software, the techniques, more with the emergence of NFTs and the NFT market? Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I think a little bit. Um, I I haven't really gotten into NFTs that much, um, relatively. So, I you know I, I messed around with NFTs a little bit. I just just to see kind of what they're all about. Again, it's this mm. this thing that happens so suddenly in the art community in the art world. I, I think in general, you know, it's given artists another opportunity to to do art as a living, you know, for their living. And um, for me, it's not something that I'm super serious about. And it's, it's a very political topic too. It's a very um, divisive topic. So I had, I had someone on Instagram, you know, who, someone messaged me and said, Oh, I saw you did some NFTs. I'm really disappointed that you chose that path. And, um, and then I've had, <laughs> I've had other people on Twitter who are like, we could have them. We could have them on as a guest. <laughs> and I've had, I've had people on Twitter who are like, Oh, I've been blocked or banned from viewing this account because I've mentioned the word or I've mentioned, I've mentioned the hashtag NFT. Um, so mm. it's a very political topic and, and you know, I can, I can see arguments on both sides, but why is that? Is it, is it because you're, is it because if you go down the route of nft marketplace and all of that is that because you're making money off it or i'm just trying i'm just trying to understand what what's the issue i think a lot of people do see it as um well you know digital art is available but now you're you're attaching a price to it somehow right. mm. um i don't feel so, so strongly either way i i kind of just wanted to see what it's about i think yeah i i'd like to see where it goes in the future um I'm not so like I don't I don't want to start any political wars or mm. debates. Well, um, for everybody listening, we'll be posting some of the uh, abusive screenshots that you guys received <laughs> uh, straight after the episode. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, and perhaps you know sometimes there are misconceptions that it is automatic art, um, you know, mass producible, less reliant of artist skills and whatnot. But you know, right. you prove. That that's not the case, right? Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I I know there is another 
uh, I think there are some concerns where like, oh, people are just jumping into it. It's like a a scam or they're just like, you know, pumping out you yeah. know, thousands of these like low quality, low quality pieces of art. And um, yeah, that's that's another argument. And I, you know, I, I guess it I'm not sure I, I it doesn't represent kind of how I do my art. But yeah, those are valid concerns, I, I suppose. But um, where do people start? If someone's listening now who is enthusiastic and starry-eyed, what is the holy grail to them to get going? Is it software skills? Is it downloading Blender and experimenting, watching YouTube tutorials, sketching ideas by hand and having those skills first? Where, where would you point people to start? I think those are all great places i would say all of the above so personally you know i have to mention like the coding train by daniel schiffman so um daniel schiffman shout, is, shout out to daniel schiffman daniel schiffman from um nyu and the processing foundation and um yeah he just he has a lot of great tutorials on youtube for getting started with processing or p5js and um and I, I think what what makes those great is like he he kind of assumes that you're starting from the beginning and he he goes through oh, everything. I love with somebody you. who babies. I love somebody who babies me through things. Yeah, even if I do have knowledge. I was just thinking literally the only code type of coding I think I've used is. Do you guys remember Pixar? I don't know. I thought I thought you were about to mention. Do you remember the small turtle that used to move around the screen? Yeah, turtle graphics. <laughs> it was called. Pixar. I thought you were going to mention turtle <laughs> It was like MySpace, but it was like back in the day where you could like build your own website and whatever code you oh. determined like what animations were on your website. And that's the only coding that I think I've ever done, but I wasn't even very good at that. Hey, bring, bring it back out or share it on the non and non. I think that there's a, there's a lot of unexplored territory there. So I don't know that anyone's ever done generative art in excel so you know you might be the first mm -hmm. to uh and actually i know some people who write um code in the r framework the r language which is i think traditionally ah, yes. traditionally used for statistics but um I, seen... I use that r shiny and things like that at work for our uh, our statistical analysis and processing data and so on yeah and i've seen people who are like amazing artists using r oh so, really yeah I'll set Kenny. that as a challenge to some people at work. Yeah, Kenny. I'll draw me like, like one of your French yeah. girls. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so thank you, Jan, um, for joining us on the KU podcast. And actually, you are the final episode of our first season, which is pretty cool. So if anyone's interested in checking out Jan's work, you can follow him and check him out on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Jan Legal. And of course, if you liked this episode and want to hear, read or talk more, please visit nonanon.com. More creative altogether. together.